You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Lizzie, and today I'm going to be reading from Daniel 4, sorry, Daniel chapter 4, verse 4 to 27. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar, after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream, interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked there before me, stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruits abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter and the birds lived in in its branches. From it, every, every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in bed, I saw, I looked and there before me was a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruits. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches be, and, and, sorry, and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground in the grass of the field. Let them be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the most high is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Balthazar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, also called Balthazar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Balthazar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Balthazar answered, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the animals, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger coming down from the heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass for the field. So in the grass of the field, while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty. 
and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord, the King. You will be driven away from the people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots, meaning, with the, with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice, renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Thank you, Lizzie. I think Lizzie needs a round of applause for that one. (laughs) Stunning. Well, a huge hello and welcome again to you. My name is Josh. The privilege of sharing a message this morning on Daniel chapter 4. We're getting kind of into some of the weird bits of Daniel now, and I'm super excited to see what the Lord has to say. Question to ask you guys when you start. Does anyone here kind of self-identify as a control freak? Anyone like being in control? Anyone, yeah? Okay, some of you. Anyone like organize the, um, the seating plan at Christmas very specifically? Does anyone like do the itinerary for holidays and we have to go according to plan? Anyone like being in control? Um, over the last 18 months, through the course of the pandemic or so, I think one of the things that we have discovered as a community, as a nation, as a world, really, is that we are not as in control of as much as we imagined, right? I wonder if you've experienced that. We're really not that in control of our lives or as much as we thought. Think about it. When the pandemic hit, remember what it was like when we saw that, that news press briefing saying you cannot leave your homes. We're, we're only able to do 30 minutes a day. Do you remember that? 30 minutes a day. Hannah and I walked around the same field thousands of times in that first lockdown. We, we were no longer able to see our friends or our families. Many of us got sick and lost control of our health. There's so much uncertainty going around. We had no control. We were asking questions like, when is this going to end? When can I buy toilet paper again? Remember that? Do you remember when we couldn't buy toilet paper? It was like I was back at university. I'm not going to go into that story. Um, Remember when we couldn't go to the hairdressers? My wife had to cut my hair. It was awful. In fact, I confiscated. No, it was my fault. I set the buzzer too, too short. Um, we couldn't gather as a church. There was no traveling. We couldn't go on holiday. Christmas got canceled. I remember I turned 30 last year, and we had, maybe naively, we had a big family gathering planned. We were all going away, Hannah's family, my family, and we had to cancel that. Um, We were not in control of our time. Two weeks before my birthday, uh, we had our baby Ivy, who, um, I don't know if you've had babies, as we saw um, this morning, amazing, but when you have a, a, a baby, you have literally no control. You realize when you have kids that you, are, you just completely feel out of control, and I remember not being able to gather as church, and I remember thinking to myself and praying to the Lord, like, God, I feel completely out of control. I feel, if I'm honest, kind of overwhelmed, like, God, what is 
happening. I wonder if you felt that at some point over the last 18 months or even today. I wonder if that feeling of feeling out of control, feeling overwhelmed, could actually be a good thing. I wonder if feeling out of control and overwhelmed and maybe out beyond ourselves could be a gift. What if it is something that the Lord allows because it draws our gaze towards the only one that is always in control, who is always at work, to a God who rules and reigns in our best and our worst moments. In a nutshell, this is what Daniel chapter 4 is all about. If you want a sermon title for this message, it is simply this, Heaven Rules. Um, Today I want to talk about the sovereignty of God. A.W. Tozer, the brilliant 20th century theologian and pastor, he once said this, he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds, what we think about when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That is a pretty incredible claim. And essentially, I think Tozer was saying this, what we think about when we think about God are what we think about God has vast implications for how our life plays out. What comes into our mind when we think about God has huge implications for how our faith plays out, for how we navigate the seasons of life, for how we interact with our joys and our sufferings, for how we raise our kids and use our bodies and love our neighbors. What we think about God has life-changing consequences for how we spend our money, for how we steward our time, for how we even relate to God at all. What we think about God is so important. Another way to say it is that our theology determines our biography. And as we read the scriptures, as we've been doing so over the last few weeks in the book of Daniel, as we study God's word in church and at home, Uh, we begin to discover more and more and more of what God is like. All the different facets and aspects of his character and nature come alive as we dig into the scriptures. Many of these parts of who God is, we don't consider all that often. There are often parts of what God is like that challenge our paradigms and blow our minds and cause us to have our comfort disturbed and, if we will allow it, to see God for who God really is is not just who we want God to be. Daniel chapter 4 is one of those chapters. Daniel chapter 4 is about the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God. What do I mean when I talk about the sovereignty of God? Theologian John M. Frame, he describes that the sovereignty of God, you can kind of split it up into three different areas or aspects. The first is this, that God is in control. God is in control. God is never out of control. He is never caught unawares. He is never reactive. He is never anxious. He was always working out his perfect plans in perfect timing. God is never backed into a corner. He always fulfills his purposes. God's will is ultimate, and ultimately it will be done. He has a plan for all of creation and all of history. Nothing can stop God fulfilling his promises. He is always good and he is always about his business, even when we can't see it, even when we don't feel it, even when we're in the middle of persecution or a pandemic. God is still on the throne. It's more than just control, though. Secondly, God's sovereignty means that he has absolute authority. 
He is the king. He is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. He rules and he reigns over every power and authority, over every throne, every nation. He is king. I love this quote from John Piper who said this, Sometimes we need to be reminded by God himself that there are no limits to his rule. We need to hear from him that he is sovereign over the whole world and everything that happens in it. We need his own reminder that he is never helpless, frustrated, or at a loss. We need his assurance that he reigns over ISIS, terrorism, Syria, Russia, China, India, Nigeria, France, Myanmar, Saudi Arabia, the United States of America, every nation, people, language, tribe, chief, president, king, premier, prime minister, and politician, great or small, God is above all things. I love that verse in Hebrews chapter 2 where it says everything is in subjection under the feet of Jesus. And finally, the sovereignty of God means that he is sovereignly with us. He is sovereignly present on the earth. His sovereignty is not some sort of distant, far-off sense of control, but it's played out in human history with tenderness and intimacy, with laughter and weeping. God is up close in our lives, forming us, working out his purposes in us and for us. In our joys and in our trials, he is sovereignly present. Sovereignty of God is a beautiful thing. It changes everything. It means that God is on the throne, but he's not just on the throne. He's here next to us. And he's not just next to us, but he lives in us. He is with us. John Piper goes on to say this. He says, sometimes we need to plunge our minds into the ocean of God's sovereignty. We need to feel the weight of it, like deep and heavy water pressing in against every pore. The deeper we go, a billion rivers of providence pour into this ocean, and God himself gathers up all his countless deeds from eternity to eternity and pours them into the currents of his infallible revelation. He speaks and explains and promises and makes his awesome sovereign providence the place we feel most reverent, secure, and free. How good is that? Let me give you some scriptures which sing of the sovereignty of God, and then we'll jump into Daniel. Uh, I love this in Isaiah 46, I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. Matthew 28, I've given all authority in heaven and on earth to my son, Jesus. Job 42, no purpose of mine can be thwarted. Isaiah 40, I sit above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. I love that. I stretch out the heavens like a curtain and spread them like a tent to dwell in. In other words, God is bigger than we think he is. Luke 1, I've scattered the proud in the thoughts of their mind. I've brought down the mighty from their throne. Psalm 31, my t- your times are in my hand. Daniel chapter 4, I live forever For my dominion is an everlasting dominion, and my kingdom endures from generation to generation. Daniel 7, my dominion shall not pass away, and my kingdom shall not be destroyed. Daniel 2, he changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. Daniel 1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, besieged it, and the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. It's a lot of Bible. I hope you're ready for that this morning. The book of Daniel 
if nothing else, is a story of the sovereignty of God. God delivers Israel into Nebuchadnezzar's hands. He carries his people into exile. He ordains Daniel and his friends to be in the king's palace. He influences how people see Daniel. He reveals dreams and interpretations. He releases favor. He promotes people. He demonstrates power, and he humbles kings. In the midst of exile and defeat and pain, his purposes are being played out behind the scenes. We can see the fingerprints of God all over the book of Daniel. Daniel is the story of the irrefutable government of heaven, the power, the authority, the majesty of God who created the universe and holds it all together. Even in pain and persecution, even in struggle and trial and suffering, in our joys and in our agonies, the big lesson of Daniel is that even in exile, God is on the throne. And I think that's pretty good news. His sovereignty doesn't violate our free choice, but actually he uses our will. He uses Daniel's choices and conviction. He uses our prayers and even our sin and our gifts, and he weaves it together to form a tapestry which fully displays the unending glory of God. And then we come to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. What's happening in Daniel 4? Well, you may notice that there is a shift in writing style. Daniel chapter 4 verse 1 begins with the words, I, Nebuchadnezzar. So all of a sudden we've shifted to a letter written by King Nebuchadnezzar. This is like a confession, a first-hand account of the sovereign God and his interaction with a human king. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, uh, just like he did in chapter 2. This time he remembers his dream. And, but he, he's troubled by it still, and he can't work out the interpretation, so he does as is his custom, and he gets together the magicians and everyone else together, the enchanters, all the wise men, and he says, this is my dream, can you interpret it? And none of them can interpret it. And eventually he comes to Daniel, and Daniel interprets the dream. And in the dream, Nebuchadnezzar sees this enormous tree from the ground, and it goes up to the heavens. It's a fruitful tree. It's a beautiful tree. It's enormous. There are birds perching in the branches. And then he, he sees, he tells Daniel, he sees this, this angelic being, this divine being, this, this watcher, a holy one, a messenger, comes and proclaims that the tree is going to be chopped down. Nebuchadnezzar, the tree is going to be chopped down, leaving just a stump. And Daniel interprets this dream for him and says, the tree and the stump symbolize you, Nebuchadnezzar. The messenger announces that Nebuchadnezzar is going to lose his mind and become like that of an animal. In other words, he's going to experience the loss of his authority and humiliation. The declaration prophetically over the king is that his majesty and dominion and glory that he has built for himself will be stripped away. It has an end date on it. Why is this going to happen? Verse 25 says this, seven times, that means seven years, will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign. If you've got a Bible, underline that. The Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth, and he gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar, will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven 
rules, underline that, heaven rules. Seven years are going to pass until you acknowledge that God is sovereign. And then your kingdom will be restored when you acknowledge that heaven rules. The message is essentially this. King Nebuchadnezzar, your notice period has been served. Your time is up. The sovereign God doesn't share glory. And this is a lesson for King Nebuchadnezzar, but it's also a lesson for us in our time. We've got to recognize that we are not the center of the world. We are not ultimately in control. This is not about us. Life is not about us. How easy is it, if we're honest, to feel like I am at the center of my own life, that the world and the universe revolves around me. We get consumed with our world, with our rights, with our worldly desires, with what we want to build and accomplish in our futures and our careers. And what can sometimes happen is that God becomes an add-on. God can become an accessory to what we want. God can sometimes be a means to an end, which is ultimately for me to get what I want. The desire for self is deeply ingrained in the human psyche. I've experienced this firsthand with my baby girl, Ivy. From a young age, we learn and we have it almost ingrained in us that I am at the center of the universe. Ivy has just learned to say the word no. And she shrieks with a loud that is just scandalous. It's unbelievable. I didn't know humans can make that much noise. And she's learned pretty quickly that she can manipulate unbelievably well. And a couple of months ago, I was doing a, sharing a message and um, I said, told this story of when I was in bed and she was crying and it wasn't time for her to get up. And I crouched over the, the cot and I said, um, Ivy, you need to know we do not negotiate with terrorists. And I need to confess something. Um, I do negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> I, I pay ransom demands. I, I, I give them whatever they want. I hand over. And you know, I discovered it's hard to negotiate with someone that doesn't talk. If you have tips, I mean, she just points and screams, and especially when it's in public. It's like, well, what do you do? Um, I need ministry for that. Anyway, there's something in, the point is, there's something ingrained in us deep down that's like, this is about me. My life is about me. But the message and the lesson of King Nebuchadnezzar was this. It is not about you. God doesn't share the throne. What if life actually works best or begins to work best when we acknowledge that God is sovereign, that God is in control? What if thriving in exile begins when we release control and we surrender to the Lord. What if multiplication and favor and the blessing of God is, in, is found in those times of complete surrender? Nebuchadnezzar started chapter 4 very well. This is what it says in verses 2 and 3. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. That sounds pretty good, right? Nebuchadnezzar is saying, like, there's a God who has performed wonders. He is incredible. But look at how he shifted in verse 28 to 30. 
all of this happened, what Daniel prophesied and interpreted to King Nebuchadnezzar 12 months later as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon. He said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Is this not the Babylon I have built by my power for my majesty. All of a sudden, it wasn't about the most high God who performs miracles. It was about the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and his power and his glory. The universe had become about him. His glory, his achievements, his power. And the judgment comes then from God who interrupts him audibly and speaks these words in verse 31 onwards. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. And here's what happens. The dream comes true. King Nebuchadnezzar loses his mind. He grows hair as long as eagle feathers. So I don't know how long eagle feathers are. It looks, in my mind, it looks kind of creepy. And really long nails. And he goes and lives in the wilderness and eats grass. He experiences complete humiliation and a loss of his authority. How far he fell from being the king, tyrant king at that, of a remarkable nation of Babylon. He experiences a humbling and a humiliation. What is happening here? Well, I think actually this chapter is a lesson on the sovereignty of God. And I've got three points that I think will help us explore this and experience this and avoid the kind of thing that happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. My first point is this, life is a gift. Life is a gift. We mustn't take it for granted. Now, this sounds like a catchphrase or something twee that you'd see on social media, but the reality is, church, for every single one of us, everything we have is a gift from God by the grace of God. We are entitled to nothing. It is all a gift. I love that line in the passage which says, God is sovereign over the kingdoms and he gives them to anyone he wishes in the book of Job, it says that God gives and God takes away. Every breath we take is a gift. Every moment we have is a gift. Every opportunity, every promotion, every raise, our families, our kids. It's a gift from the sovereign God. Everything we own and have and enjoy is the grace of God. We must never look at our lives and what we've built and thought, look at what I have done by my power for my glory. Because living for ourselves has an end date stamped on it. And the principle of this passage is that when we live acknowledging the sovereignty of God, God, this is all about you. You are king. You are Lord. I submit to you. Everything I have is a gift. I, I'm entitled to nothing. It's in that place that actually we see fruitfulness and favor and multiplication. But for the king, the warning is it became about him. He was in control. He was the Lord. He was the king. He thought he was sovereign. We must not be like that. Let us be a people who live lives that proclaim, look at what he has built. Look at what he has done by his power for his glory in my time. And as a church, 
as we continue to grow and see all that God has done, we must never even think to ourselves, look at what we have built. I believe we're going to see incredible things, incredible growth, incredible favor, incredible multiplication, and it will be the grace of God, the sovereignty of God as he uses us. Secondly, sovereignty gives us perspective. Guys, it is good to remember that God is in control when our life and our world is falling apart. It is so good. It is good for the soul. And I don't know what you're going through this morning. Maybe life is tough. Maybe you've been struggling for a while. Maybe you're feeling isolated and alone. Maybe you feel distant from God. Maybe you've experienced suffering and pain and heartache and relational dysfunction and marriage breakdown, whatever it is. You need to know that even when you are feeling at your most out of control, God is still on the throne. He is still about his business, and he has the solution to any problem that we have. He has the answer. The sovereignty of God doesn't um, get rid of our personal responsibility. Actually, there's a mystery in this, which I don't fully understand. I feel unqualified to preach on it, but there's a mystery here that God is completely sovereign, and he uses our choices. And he uses Daniel's wisdom. Isn't it fascinating? But whatever you're going through, God is on the throne. Seeing the sovereign God as king and Lord is so helpful. In a pandemic, whatever happens this winter, God is still on the throne. He's not freaking out. He's not confused. He is the king. He is over and above all things in your life, what you're going through. It is good for the soul to think and consider the sovereignty of God. In our worst moments, God is present, working. And often we don't see or recognize the sovereignty of God till after, till we look back and we see, goodness me, how he moved in my time of pain or brokenness. And the the challenging thing about the sovereignty of God is that actually God even uses our suffering. One of the questions that we all ask at some point in our lives and um, people that don't know Jesus ask this and maybe it's a, a huge barrier to people coming to faith is how could a good sovereign God allow my suffering? And I don't think there's any easy answers for that. Maybe you're wrestling with that right now. But when we read the scriptures and we see Jesus and we see the cross And we see in the cross the climax of the sovereign God's plan to redeem and heal and restore and bring justice and make all things right. It involved God himself suffering. He suffered for us and he suffers with us. And he promises that in his sovereignty he won't let any pain go to waste. He won't let any tear go to waste. In fact, for those that love him, one of my favorite verse in the Bible from Romans 8 says, he will work all things out for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. He will bring blessing out of battles. He will bring joy out of trials. He will bring beauty out of ashes. He is sovereign. It means that nothing is lost. He's on the throne and our feet can stand on a sure ground despite the circumstances. Even in Nebuchadnezzar's seven years of wilderness with weird hair and long nails, there was purpose there. It was, it was a humiliation, a humbling, designed to bring him back to a place where God could restore him. This is the king of Babylon 
who invaded God's people. And God was about his business, even in his life, bringing restoration. I don't know about you, but I think that is crazy. How good is God that he is doing that? Unbelievable. Finally, my final third point is this. There is always hope. If God is sovereign, there is always hope. And the sovereignty of God leads us, has to lead us to a place of trusting in him because there are so many mysteries, so many questions. God, what are you doing in my life in this season? Where are you? What's happening? So many questions, but the beauty of God's sovereignty is that there's no such thing as a hopeless situation. There's no such thing. I love a quote. I don't know who said it, but they said, um, it will all be okay in the end, and if it's not okay, it's not the end. I quite like that. It's not from the Bible. I don't know who it's from. (laughs) But right now, things may look and feel tough and difficult, but there will come a day when God, in his sovereignty, orchestrates it all for good, rights every wrong, brings justice to every injustice, brings full reconciliation and hope and restoration and freedom. And so right here, right now, as we wait longing for that day, let our hearts be, have a posture of, God, I trust you. I know that you are in control in this, and therefore I can trust and sit in that. But I know that is hard to do. It is hard when you can't see. It is so challenging, but God is always good and always on the throne. Because if God is not sovereign, then our lives and our emotions, and and we live at the mercy of a changing world where there is so much confusion and brokenness and pain and evil. And actually, we believe in a God that's going to make it all right. So let me encourage you this morning from Daniel chapter 4 with a a tyrant king who was humbled, let me encourage you to put your trust in the Lord. Nothing is impossible with him. Whatever failure you're experiencing, remember, is never final. Do not quit on God. Keep going despite circumstances because God is good and God is on the throne. And in the sovereignty of God, this is where we come to the end of Nebuchadnezzar's story. And then he dies and another king comes in, which... And we're going to talk about next week. I love this verse. It says this, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. This is after his seven years living like an animal. For all his works are right and his ways are just and those who walk in pride will be humbled. That is the prayer of a king who has been humbled and restored. And it's a lesson for us. What are our hearts like with God? Do we trust him? Do we walk with him? Do we see him on the throne as he is, a sovereign king, Lord of all? You never know, one day we might meet King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king who was used sovereignly by God. We might meet him and see how he has come to know God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.